welcome to CAD Speaker Series podcast. Today we are here with Charles McCormack, President Emeritus of Save the Children U.S. So Charlie, thank you once again for coming to talk to us about how the development field is changing and how aid is changing and how the actors in that field, NGOs and governments, are adapting to it. I wanted to start with a very important question because you've mentioned a couple of times that you your career work started in the 1960s and you mentioned JFK. How did JFK inspire you, if at all, in your career? Well, in, in every way. It was a very formative year and time in my life, um, as it is in any life, meaning the ages from 19 to 22 um, was his presidency. He was young. We had had Eisenhower for my adult or young adult life, uh, who was not easy to relate to. So here we had this young person with a young family and a vision of the future uh, that was very articulate about leadership, about global engagement, about service, about con contributing, and turned that into actions like uh, Peace Corps and uh, the War on Poverty and uh, other specific initiatives. And then his you know, tragic death was a life-changing experience for all of us, and I had just begun my graduate studies at Columbia University and was living in International House in New York, which even in those days was students from 60 or 70 different countries. And to this day, I remember all of us for three or four days glued you know, to the one television, hearing the report, and it was as if our future had been taken away from us. That's fascinating, and it must have been fascinating to be in that time for, for many different reasons. I grew up in Ecuador, and we always had this image of Jeff Gay as, as this really mythical figure and very inspiring. So since we are the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, I thought I would ask that question. And today we were talking about a new era in development. How do you define a new era in development? In terms of uh, new issues, new actors, new technologies, new funding sources, new power balances, virtually all the factors and variables in development are in transformation. We have new issues like migration. We have new donors like the Tata Foundation or the Dubai Cares Foundation that didn't even exist. 10 years ago, we have global leaders working for foundations and NGOs and governments. When I was at Columbia, or if I had come to the Kennedy School in 1965, I would have seen an entirely American group. I would have seen four or five women. I come to this discussion today. There are people from 25 different countries Half the group, at least, were women. The amount of experience in that room is incredibly impressive. That's something completely new. So we're, we are in a new world, uh, and young people and graduate students are in a new world in every way. 
Yes, definitely. And and just as a follow-up to that, during the seminar, you spoke a lot about how 30 years ago, and not even 30 years ago, but as recent as 10 years ago, the world of development was really dominated by the West, if you will. And today, that landscape has changed. And you also talked about the role of government. How do you see the role of government in the next 30 years of development? The this question was also something in the minds of, of students who were in, in the seminar. Governments still call the shots. And if they call them well, their citizens do well. And if they call them badly, their citizens do bad. So the role of government is essential. And the role of good government is essential. In addition, however, good governments have to be prepared to seed, to give some of their authority upward to global bodies like the UN and the General Assembly because so many of these issues cannot be solved by one government. If you take global warming, one of the great issues of the time, it makes no difference if any single country has zero carbon emissions. If every other country is adding to its carbon, then you, the problem is only greater. So, so that can only be solved by governments allowing some of their authority to be delegated upward. They also have to be willing to delegate more authority downward to checks and balances and pluralism. So they have to encourage private initiative in the marketplace. They have to encourage non-governmental organizations and civil society. They have to encourage marginalized groups to organize so indigenous people and girls and women and so on and so forth can have more influence. So they are essential. They are the essential actors. But for them to play their role best, like NGOs, they will need to adapt. Great. Thank you. That's definitely uh, going to be an area of interest, especially for students here at the Kennedy School who are studying um, government. And along those lines, we've talked about the issue of responsibility. Who has the responsibility? Who is to, to be asked to take care of immigrants and, and refugees? Can you speak a little bit about some good examples of the work between government and NGOs in the most recent refugee crisis in the Middle East? Well, the record of governments currently in the Middle East is not a good one. The problems in Syria are not problems that civil society can address. We don't have armies, we don't have air forces, and only states um, have the power to bring the Syrian crisis to a close. So we're in the very sad and frustrating situation of you know, putting a Band-Aid on a gigantic wound that we can't heal. It's an example of, in a way, what's been called the tragedy of the commons. It's not the interest of any single government to end that conflict. There's no collective decision-making system to end the conflict, so it drags on. Yes, and, and so, so, so that we don't end in a very kind of negative note or down note, I want to ask you, what would be your advice for people who are either here at the Kennedy School or other schools across the world, and they're thinking about doing something good or you know, they have an ideal as to how to contribute to, to the betterment of the world, what would you say to a budding idealist, if you will, on any advice on starting a new nonprofit organization, what, what would you say to them? I would say two or three things. 
Number one, I would say you can make a big difference and you can contribute significantly to a better future. Second, uh, the reason I would say that is because you need to pick an issue, global warming, migration, employment, and that you care about and take the long view because year by year there will be years of setback and there will be years of advance. And if you only are looking at the setbacks, then you get discouraged and cynical. But if you take the long view and you say, this is what youth employment needs to look like in 2030, and this is what I need to do each year, and this is what constitutes progress, and you have the good education that Kennedy School students have, you will make a difference. So that is what I would also say. I would say don't get cynical. Um, stay motivated. The glass is always half empty, but it's always half full. Focus on the half that's full, but it's the core message is play the long game. Great. Thank you so much, Charlie. That was actually not only great advice for somebody who is thinking about starting their own NGO, but really great advice for, for life in general. So I appreciate that. Thank you again for being our phenomenal guest speaker today in our, in our CID speaker series, and we hope to welcome you again. Thank you, Andrea.